Welcome to Oncofarm. I'm your host, John Bazaar. I am a professor of pharmacy practice here at the supporting sponsor of Oncofarm, ETSU's Bill Gadd College of Pharmacy. And today, I'm going to talk about a, uh, a chemo regimen that we are seeing lots and lots uh, these days, and that is dose-adjusted EPOC. Uh, there's a lot of um, a discussion about um, the relative efficacy of this regimen compared to ARDSHOP for you know, high-risk um, uh, diffuse large B-cell lymphoma and um, high-grade large-cell lymphomas with double hit and, and such. Uh, we covered the big um, alliance study in 2019 of diffuse large B-cell lymphoma uh, of ARDSHOP versus dose-adjusted REPOC. Um, they did not test for double hit on everyone or double expressor on everyone in that study, so didn't answer that question. And there was actually a trend, if you look at the uh, the International Prognostic Index risk, there was a trend towards uh, those with the poor risk had greater relative benefit of dose-adjusted REPOC over RCHOP, which is why you see a lot of dose-adjusted REPOC use. So I want to go back to um, probably the thing, the study I have I have Googled the most, which is Wilson 2002 blood. To, to go back to the original paper, uh, kind of a, uh, and look at that. So this is really a landmark of Oncofarm episode, a landmark publication uh, by uh, Wyndham Wilson and colleagues who was at NIH, NIH National Institute of Health. And um, this is a, a wonderful regimen talking about pharmacology uh, and pharmacodynamics, which is where I'm going to focus most of uh, the talk here, not some of the, uh, the debate about the literature supporting or not supporting the use for dose-adjusted our epoch. So this is uh, in 2002. This was published, and at the time, they quote, 10 years ago, we began development of a new schedule of treatments to try to beat CHOP. Um, they selected etoposide to add to CHOP because of its single-agent activity, and uh, in vitro studies had shown that prolonged um, exposure at lower concentrations of vincristine and doxorubicin seemed to have better tumor cell kill than uh, basically bolus uh, dosing exposure, which makes sense for drugs like vincristine, which works in the M phase on microtubules, and doxorubicin, which primarily works uh, as a topoisomerase 2 inhibitor that as cell cycle specific agents, longer exposure um, to uh, varying cell cycles would be more effective. Um, so let's get right, so that's kind of the theory behind this. We're gonna add etoposide to CHOP and we're going to uh, extend the infusion of some of these drugs. So here is EPOC. Here's the, here's the EPOC part of it. Uh, etoposide, 50 milligrams per meter squared per day, continuous infusion for 96 hours. That's four straight days. Doxorubicin, 10 milligrams per meter squared per day, continuous infusion for four days. So per cycle, that's 40 milligrams of doxorubicin per meter squared to start with. Vincristine, 0.4 milligrams per meter squared per day, continuous infusion over 96 hours. Uh, the method section of this study describes the stability of that formulation in normal saline. Very important for all those pharmacists out there, maybe making this for the first time. If you don't find stability, you gotta go to this article from Wilson 2002 in the Blood Journal to find that. So those three drugs are put in a bag. They're given continuous infusion for 96 hours, either, usually as a 24-hour bag. Many places do this as an outpatient. Um, and you can do that. Um, there is some 40-hour stability data in this paper as well. So you get that infusion of three drugs for 96 hours, uh, continuous infusion, um, prednisone 60 milligrams per meter squared per dose, BID, uh, days one, two, three, four, and five. There are some other publications of EPOC where they, they suggested 60 milligrams per meter squared per day. 
So if you do the math for a typical American patient with a BSA of two, that works out to either 120 milligrams twice a day, or many places will split that actually and, and do 60 milligrams per meter squared per day and do like 120 a.m., 120 p.m. Um, cyclophosphamide, 750 milligrams per meter squared per day on day five after that 96 hour uh, infusion of etoposide, doxorubicin, and vincristine, followed by growth factor support. In this study, they did filgrastim, but nowadays people will do um, pegfilgrastim with a 21 day cycle. So to, to recap, this is CHOP with etoposide, but it's not just adding etoposide to CHOP, we're actually extending the infusion of etoposide doxorubicin and vincristine and giving um, less doxorubicin per cycle to start with as with CHOP, adding the etoposide and actually giving more vincristine. And the vincristine dose was not capped absolutely at two milligrams in this paper. And they report, you know, they, a lot of people say this, it was tolerated well, but the, the neuropathy rates they describe are certainly not something that, that would scare me from doing this. Uh, from a supportive care standpoint, with all that steroid, they did um, give everyone, um, they say PCP before. This was before his PJP, pneumocystis gyrovichii uh, pneumonia prophylaxis uh, with double strength, uh, sulfamethoxyl, trimethoprim, uh, Monday, Wednesday, Friday, um, each week. Now, this is a key part of implementing this, uh, this uh, protocol, is you need to check a CBC twice weekly per this paper, and you are looking for the Nader ANC. And if the Nader ANC is not below 500, then that bone marrow of this patient can tolerate a little more cytotoxic chemo. Therefore, the doses of these cytotoxic drugs in this regimen, cyclophosphide, etoposide, and doxorubicin are increased 20% in that cycle. If the ANC is less than 500 on one or two occasions, then you've got a, a nice, um, relatively safe level of myelosuppression and you keep the dose the same with the next cycle. If the ANC is less than 500 on at least three occasions, then you do a 20% decrease of doxorubicin, etoposide, and cyclophosphamide, uh, etoposide, doxorubicin, and cyclophosphamide. And if the platelet count is below 25 on one measurement, you do a 20% dose reduction of those cytotoxic agents. And again, the idea is if we're not getting, if not, we're not maxing out our myelosuppression, we probably are not maxing out our tumor cell kill, and we can get more tumor cell kill with a relative safe level of myelosuppression. Because we have growth factor support, it's pretty common these patients also to use prophylactic uh, antibiotic, like levofloxacin, as well to help prevent neutropenic fever. So that is that is the the rationale, the theory behind doing EPOC. As I mentioned, there is. Um, um, some uh, some debate. Uh, in theory, this should be better than CHOP. Uh, we see a lot of signs that it is better in some high-risk patients. Uh, so I, I'd say it's a very strong theory that this is better than CHOP, but it's not yet. It's been proven in a, in a randomized control phase, phase three trial. One a, a key thing I want to point out, how you can mess this regimen up. If you don't get your CBC twice a week, you're not able to adequately assess the depth and duration of their nadir and you risk not increasing the dose. That's the key thing about the dose adjustment is usually it's a dose adjustment. In this original protocol, most people, 29% actually had a dose increase of two dose levels and only 5% had, um, you know, were below that starting dose. Most people can tolerate this pretty well. That, that 40 milligram per meter squared four-day infusion of doxorubicin does not cause a ton of myelosuppression. It should have less cardiotoxicity. Um, so it is, it is a, pretty, a pretty solid uh, regimen, um, but it does, re, you know, does require 
um, for some places, a hospital stay, um, and it is um, a little harder on patients, obviously coming to the hospital for, for four days. Um, but there are a couple other things I want to point out about this. There is a separate dose adjusted, uh, there's a separate EPOC protocol, I'm sorry, a separate EPOC protocol for HIV-associated lymphoma, and the big thing is the starting dose of cyclophosphamide is lower. It's half uh, of the dose in standard EPOC, which is 750 milligrams per square. It is 25% of that if their CD4 count uh, is, is low on presentation. Um, so there are maybe some uh, discrepancies in how certain centers do their prednisone dosing, as I mentioned earlier. Some centers uh, cap their vincristian at two milligrams um, over, over that prorate over that whole, uh, whole time. And one thing that um, um, challenges me as a clinician is the Alliance study in 2019 in their, um, in their protocol, um, which is an appendix in Journal of Clinical Oncology. And I'll, I'll put a Twitter, or not a Twitter, I'll put a picture of this on, on Instagram at OncoPharmPod. And um, for their doc service and dosing, they very clearly say that they did not dose reduce doxorubicin um, in that 2019 Alliance trial for ability to been all the way up to seven. As long as it's less than seven, they gave full dose doxorubicin. This is very different from the FDA label and prescribing information for doxorubicin that says a dose reduction of, should happen for a bilirubin of 1.2. And the upper limit normal for bilirubin is usually considered 1.1. So um, there, there's a lot of discussion that, that typically has to happen uh, um, because that, uh, that protocol says based on data on hand that, to my knowledge, has not been published. Um, so there's a, it's, a, it's a very popular protocol. Um, the way that uh, you just want to make sure you're checking that CBC and you're looking for dose adjustments because the way these protocols get put in, you have to manually go in and then re-up re the dose. And again, if you're not increasing the dose and you're just, you're just doing EPOC and not adjusting up, in most of your patients, or many of them, you're probably underdosing them when you're doing this. Um, and that is gonna make a regimen that, in theory, would be more effective, less effective, uh, potentially at, with, with no benefit and just um, some extra duration of, of treatment. So that's dose-adjust our epoch, kind of a landmark, um, landmark uh, Oncopharm episode, really useful for my current APB students. And this is saving me from a, maybe a talk with them because uh, we've got a lot of epoch uh, patients we're seeing uh, this month. So this is primarily for them, and if they'll benefit, maybe some of you will benefit from listening to this as well. Uh, thank you so much for listening. You can follow me on Twitter at PharmDeetNib, and you can follow the podcast on both Twitter and Instagram at OncoPharmPod. And until I talk to you again, remember, doses matter. Mm-hmm.